Hey, I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the award-winning cloud accounting software loved and trusted by over 60,000 freelancers and small businesses, myself included. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash being freelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for animation director James Curran. The side projects are really important to kind of show what, what work you want to make rather than just kind of you doing bits on other people's projects. I'm trying to do one every year and each one definitely gets more interesting throughout the year following that, probably get work off the back of that project. I don't ever have to worry about not getting paid because I think clients take agents more seriously than individual artists, but agents kind of will make sure that you get paid quickly because I think they think most artists really know what the work is worth. I think there's a few points where I maybe considered giving up because things weren't going so well early on. And I think they're the hardest times if you can get past that and stick with it for maybe two or three years. Usually you'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, so there is James. Or to go by his nom de plume or nom de Instagram, Slim Jim Studios, whose animated GIFs regularly cheer my day. They brighten up my Instagram feed. Links as ever to all of our guests are at beingfreelance.com and I hugely recommend you link through to James's work. Can't wait to chat to him about what he's been up to, how he's got to where he is and the side projects that he's involved in. Let me know what you think, of course. You can find social links to myself and James on beingfreelance.com. I'm at sfolland or at Being Freelance on Twitter and also on Instagram. Drop me an email, whatever. It's always nice to hear what you're up to. Also, the vlog is back. Me documenting my own freelance week. Obviously, the podcast is where I chat to other people about their freelance stories, but my freelance story is actually unfolding week on week on the vlog. I took August off, as I did with the podcast, but it is back now on YouTube. Link at beingfreelance.com. Love your comments on that as well. So, uh, And thank you. <laughs> thank you to those of you who missed it enough to kick me into doing it again because it kept reminding me. But, I, you know, that's the trouble. When you take August off, it's like, when do I start again? The obvious answer would be September the 1st, but it's not quite that simple. It's like, well, I've done it for four weeks, maybe just a fifth, maybe just a sixth. It's a bit like chocolates at Christmas. Well, I've already had six. What difference is a seventh going to do? I'll have an eighth. Uh, anyway, beingfreelance.com and, of course, on YouTube. Right, that's enough gassing. Let's crack on and chat to freelance animation director and designer James Curran. Hey, James. Hi. Whereabouts are you from in, in the UK? Originally, I'm from Nottingham, but I lived in London for about seven years until last year. Ah, okay, cool. Well, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Well, I guess technically I was kind of freelance right from university. Like, even during university, I was doing a few, a few freelance jobs, kind of animating music videos for just artists that I liked and stuff. But then after university, you got into working in video games for a small developer. And I was kind of freelance there technically for maybe three years before switching to being full-time for about three years. But even during those three years of being full-time there, I was still freelancing quite a lot, doing music videos or kind of bits of uh, motion graphics or animation work on the side for clients. That was still in, I was in Derby, uh, which is like a commute from Nottingham. Um, but the plan was kind of always to move down to London and be freelance eventually. But then after about six years of working for that games company, I thought I'd move down to London, but move down um, with a full-time job there because I thought that was a better way to kind of get started down there rather than moving down there and immediately going freelance. So I had a full-time job doing kind of graphics for TV commercials. And then after about six months doing that, I kind of 
knew that I wanted to leave because I wasn't enjoying it that much, but I needed to kind of do a project of my own, which would hopefully help um, get my name out there a little bit and give me kind of a start on getting some freelance jobs. So I kind of spent my free time while I was doing this full-time job, doing this project for the uh, the Tintin movie, which was about to be released. And just, just, just myself, it wasn't kind of associated with the film. I made a title sequence um, for the film before I'd seen it, just because I was a big fan of Tintin growing up, growing up and I knew a lot about the, the books and things. So I made like a, a, a title sequence, which kind of went through all the stories and the theories. Spent like a month or two making that, put it online, and then it kind of went really viral really quickly. I got a lot of views. I got an email from Spielberg kind of offering me uh, some work at some point, potentially. So I uh, yeah, quit my job, full-time job, and went freelance. Although, other than that kind of email, I didn't really have any big jobs lined up, and I was kind of, you know, had, had no money. So it was kind of a big risk to go freelance at that point, but it seemed like it was a, a good kind of time to take that risk. And then that was like seven years ago. So I've been full-time freelance now for seven years. At that time as well, I kind of signed with Partizan, who is a um, production company who do kind of commercials mainly um, as a director, animation director, and started animating, kind of working with teams of animators and things. And they kind of helped me sometimes get jobs or just help me produce bigger jobs that I couldn't manage by myself. And yeah, I've been doing that for like seven years. And then along the way, things have changed slightly, but I've kind of mainly done advertising-based work um, either on my own or with teams of animators helping me. Flipping heck. Just to rewind to even when you were at university, though, you were doing music videos. Was, was that just like local bands that you knew? or? Well, the first one that I did was actually for a university project. It's for a band called Ugly Duckling, who are actually from near LA in Long Beach. And I just made it for a personal project at university. And I guess, I forget how they found it, but they, I guess I sent it to them, or someone sent it to them. And then they kind of used it as an official thing and put it out on their um, album on the CD is like a bonus thing and I did some work with them for their live tour visuals and then through that I kind of met some other bands that were kind of on the, on the same label as them and got work that way that's, kind of, that, that's how that happened I remember them so you've clearly been somebody who is very much into doing side projects you know you just mentioned that one you mentioned Tintin and quite sizable side projects on the side yeah that was the thing I mean um, I guess at university, there weren't really side projects because there were my university projects. But then the Tintin thing was the first kind of big one that I did that was a full kind of side, side project on its own. But now, because I did so well, that kind of showed me that I really should focus on doing these things kind of as a priority and that they are the things that are going to get me noticed more than doing client work, which usually is, especially at that time when I was still kind of freelancing for studios and things, I wasn't really kind of putting out work that looked like my style. It wasn't, it wasn't really going to get me more work doing the kind of thing that I wanted to do. So I think the side projects are really important to kind of show what, what work you want to make rather than just kind of you doing bits on other people's projects. And then, yeah, since then, seven years ago, I've been kind of trying to do one every year maybe just to kind of keep things going. And each one definitely kind of steps up and gets, gets more interest. And throughout the year following that, I'll probably get work off the back of that project, I think. When you do that, I mean, can you describe some of those? And we'll put links at beingfreelance.com. But some of those projects that you've done, for example, what kind of thing? Yeah, the first one I did about a year after the Tintin one was sort of similar. It was um, for the Beastie Boys because the, the MCA from the band died. So I wanted to do something on the first anniversary of him dying. And I thought I'd just do an exhibition, even though I hadn't done one before, but I thought doing like a print exhibition in a gallery would be kind of a new challenge. So I did that and sold, sold 35 of these prints for charity for cancer, but also made like an animation that linked it all together and put that online to try and help promote the project. But through that, I also started getting into making GIFs because I broke down the long video into individual GIFs of all these icons that I'd made, which represent different things associated with the band. And then a year after that, I 
had an idea to kind of well, in the, in the in the year after that, I'd kind of worked more on gifts and kind of developed more of that as a focus really because it kind of became a thing that you could actually get get, get work doing really. I think before that, they weren't really. I think I don't think people were using them for advertising that much at that point, but then they, they kind of became quite a thing. And I thought I'd do more of that, so I went to New York for a month and spent 30 days making a GIF every day about what I was doing there. That was in 2015. And then that became really popular. And I did that two more times. The following year was in LA and then the year after that in Tokyo last year. And I guess since then, I haven't really done anything, a big project. I've always done small kind of GIFs in between, just little things, um, kind of little small ideas, but no more big projects since then yet. But on those ones where you're doing it like for 30 days, a different GIF every day, and they're amazing, they're incredible. How how much time does that take you? I mean, it's, it's like a full day. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's no, no more a chore than a job is. I mean, it's like maybe a full day, eight hours a day making animation, which it, it seems a lot, but it, that's, that's how much you spend at work. And I wasn't working otherwise during those months. So it's not that hard to kind of find that time to do that. And it's, and it's not really a chore because it's, it's making stuff that I just really enjoy doing. It's my ideas. No one's giving me a brief. I can do whatever I want. So it's fun. I mean, I do animation because I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's not, not really a job for me. If I'm, if I'm enjoying it. And how do you then capitalize on having gone to all of that effort, you know, right back to the Beastie Boys ones, for example, because it can be easy to do a side project and then go, all right, here it is and leave it there somewhere. It doesn't seem like that's the case for you. I mean, that is kind of what I did, really. I mean, I, I didn't really do anything to try and get the work. I just put it online and with the Tintin one. That was the first. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any following at that point online. I just put it on there. I think I had a friend who'd had some work, work featured recently on like a motion graphics blog and he forwarded it to them and then they featured it and that was kind of where that started, I think. But I didn't do anything myself to push it out there and with the, the project since, and I think it's just because I already had a bit of a following from that one. It was enough to kind of, enough people to notice it and it will spread from there. But I didn't really do anything myself. No, I, I, I don't ever really email clients or anything. They just contact me from seeing my work, which has luckily seemed to work for the last few years. Yeah, so seriously, go to beingfreelance.com and go take a look at James's side projects, his GIF projects, for example, beingfreelance.com, links through. So where are you putting it? Like Instagram, for example? Yeah, at first, because uh, the Tintin thing was just Vimeo, and then the, the Beastie Boys one was mainly Vimeo, but then I put all the GIFs on Tumblr, and I started getting really popular on Tumblr at the time. I think at that time, you couldn't put videos on, on Instagram yet. So I didn't start using Instagram really properly for work until the first Gifaton in New York. And then gradually my Instagram following kind of overtook my Tumblr following. And that's kind of my main place now. But I still find it's important to put work on Vimeo too. So I do, I do the long edits of the Gifathons for Vimeo. I think I probably get more work through people seeing it on Vimeo than from Instagram, really. I think having like a longer two-minute video is a better thing to, for, for clients to use to kind of sell uh, me to them as a potential person to work with rather than just gifts, unless it's just individual gifts that they want usually it's kind of longer form things and are you waiting for clients to stumble upon you as in for example there'll be some art director sitting there somewhere going right when you this and they're looking for instagram or vimeo or are you reaching out to them i don't ever reach out no i mean i, I signed with a different agent um, as well as partisan maybe three years ago who just focused on doing the gift work but i, I still say 90 percent of the jobs that i do come um, from people contacting me directly, but I still pass all of those jobs on to either of my agents to kind of manage and do all the, the kind of contract work and negotiations and things. But most of the work is, is just from people finding me somehow. I think I don't I don't really know how where they find me. They don't, they don't always say, but yeah, I don't really do anything to, to 
try and encourage them. Yeah. How do you find working with an agent? Like, was there a point where you were doing it yourself and that changed? Not really for the last seven years. Part is that I've been working with them. It's been good. I mean, I think I couldn't have been doing the types of projects that I've done without them. And even even the first client gift project that I did was I think just after the Beastie Boys one. I didn't do that through Partizan because I didn't have much. It was kind of, I got an email on Friday saying we need it by Sunday. I was about to leave for Tokyo or something on the Monday. So I was like, I'll just do it myself. And I, I think I charged them for six gifts less than my agent started charging per gift once I started working with them. So it's kind of, it's, it's much better to work with someone who knows how much things are worth because I think, don't think most artists really know what the work is worth. And it generally saves me a lot of time because I'd say maybe half the projects that come into me don't end up happening for reasons that aren't my fault. And it's better than my agents kind of wasting their time doing that rather than me. <laughs> and yeah, same with like chasing for money. I mean, I don't ever have to worry about not getting paid because I think clients take agents more seriously than individual artists who think they can just not pay for six months and that's fine. But agents kind of will, will make sure that you get paid quickly, usually. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You mentioned earlier that you sometimes manage teams. Would that be like a agent coming to you and say, right, we've got this project, and so it's under your name? Or do the people think for they're just working with you, like there is no other team? Or are you like, right, I've got this big team, you go out, you put together the team to make it happen? Uh, just intrigued as to how that works. Uh, no, no, usually the yeah either either they come to me or they come to a partisan for those kind of jobs because they use partisan for the jobs that are too big to do on my own really and don't know that it isn't just me doing it because I'll be given a budget which, which includes payments for animators and things that, other than me but I'm still the one that's doing all the design work and kind of overseeing the whole thing so it's still gonna it's, it's more that I have to work with a team of people to get the job done because there's not enough time to do that amount of work on my own. So it's not like I could do it by myself, really. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, I understand that. So in that situation, are you together or is it remote? How does that work? It used to be when I was in London, the animators would be there with me usually. But that was partly because back then the internet really wasn't fast enough really for most people to kind of be working remotely. But now because I'm here a lot of the time, the animators are usually still in London, but I've worked with them before so they, I know that they can work well with me. So I'm not, I'm not kind of worried about that, being being, a, being away from them. But even if I was there, I don't think that they'd necessarily have to come into the studio to work because there's, there's no point these days. It's kind of easy just to do things remotely. Yeah. What led you to the States then? Well, that's part of the reason why I kind of um, signed with Partizan because they have an office here. So it, I knew that that was potentially somewhere that I could, I could move to for work with them. And it just felt like I'd been in London for enough time that it was you know, time to try somewhere else. And I thought, especially in LA, there's more opportunities for things, uh, types of work that I couldn't really do in London, especially kind of TV work. So that's kind of a focus of them. They're trying to get a TV project started potentially. So are you going out and meeting people or is that through agents again? Yeah, yeah. I've got a new manager here to kind of focus on doing TV projects. Cool. Just to rewind slightly, you mentioned obviously working as a team. But is much of what you do quite solitary? I wouldn't say no. I think most client things that I do, I'm working with at least one other animator to help me. It's solitary in the sense that I guess they're not with me. But um, I have an office here in, well, Partizan has an office in, in LA that I can work from. Um, so there's a big team of people here to work with. I'm never kind of alone. I don't, I don't really work at home if I can help it. I prefer to go into an office. Did you used to work at home? Not that much. Even in London, Partizan had an office there. So I'd always go into, if I had projects on, I'd go there to work on them. 
I'd work from home on personal projects and doing the Giffathons are definitely a solitary thing because I'm in a different city where I don't know as many people and I'd kind of have to work at home so I wouldn't have an office to work from. But for client things, I always try and kind of go to work and treat it like it's a job. Yeah. And I'm like imagining your work day. Are you quite regimented about that? I mean, if, if, if it's a client project, I knew that I've got a deadline coming up. I'll, I'll yeah, try and do like nine to five or, or whatever, something like that. But then you're going home and you're like leaving work to one side. I try to, yeah. I mean, it kind of depends how much work there is. Sometimes there's so much work to do that I, that I have to work at night as well. I did a project recently for eBay and there was like, it was 26 gifts in about a month. And I had to do all the illustration work really quickly to give the animators enough time to animate them. So for that, I was working kind of long days, but only for maybe like two weeks. So it happens sometimes you just have to do that, but I prefer to kind of keep it nine to five. So how do you feel like you've coped with the whole work-life balance of being freelance? I think it's pretty good. I mean, I've, yeah, I definitely I feel like I have a lot of free time and I try and use it to enjoy myself. I don't, I don't work too much, but I think as long as you, I sort of always feel pressure on myself to do more personal projects so I shouldn't waste time doing nothing. But yeah, I think, I think, I'm, I think I'd do it quite well. Yeah, those personal projects really have allowed you to, or it feels like anyway, allowed you to sort of create your own style that you wanted to work in. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is before the Tintin project, I hadn't really done anything in that style, but I just, I just knew that that was the style of work that I wanted to make. And then it's kind of changed gradually since then. I've done more kind of character-based things now, which I wasn't doing back then. But yeah, even when I try and change it, sometimes clients come to me and say, I want this thing that you did before. So it's, it's, if they want to change it, they kind of let me. It's like, I want this thing, this thing I've seen already. So okay, it works against you, but it's, I shouldn't, shouldn't ever really complain about getting work. So Yeah, it feels like being with that agency for a pretty long time now, does that feel secure now? Like it is a regular stream of keeping you busy? I wouldn't say that because most of the work, like I said, comes through me, not from them. Um, so it isn't like I have security from that, but it's just security that you've got people there who you, you know that you've worked with for a long time. And if anything comes in, you don't have to panic about how, how may make this job work. You, kind of, you know that they can figure that out for you. Mm, yeah. So business side, like the money side of being freelance, has that been a challenge for you or has that been all right? When I first started seven years ago, being full-time freelance, I, had, I literally had no money then. So it was a big risk to start with that. But I had a few small jobs. And I, I, the first couple of years, I was pretty bad. I'd just spend all my money and then the tax bill would come in and I'd have no money for it. And then I'd luckily get a big job in that would pay for that tax bill, <laughs> which I think is quite a common thing for a lot, a lot of people when they first start being freelance. Um, I think maybe in my third or fourth year, I got an accountant and that really helped a lot. Like he just kind of told me, what I should be spending. And I started uh, running as a company then as well in the UK, which really helped a lot, I think. I just pay myself a very small amount of what I was earning rather than just putting it all into my bank account. And then I just think it was my money. So I think, yeah, having the accountant was a big help. And then now it's just, yeah, I've been doing that for so many years now that I think I've got into that mindset of just not trying to sp spend everything that I've got. But also I was, I was earning more, so it, it kind of made it easier to do, to do that. I didn't feel like I needed to. Yeah. Before you set up as a company, did you just like have a personal bank account, not a business and personal? I think it doesn't necessarily have to, be, have to be a business account. I think just put the money somewhere else and and get an accountant so you, they'll tell you when you've got to pay your tax. Doing it yourself, you don't know, really. You, kind of, you, know, you know that you have to at some point, but it's like, oh, I'll, I'll come, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's cool. Is there a community around you? 
<laughs> Definitely within animation, there's a good community of animators. I've got quite a few friends here in LA, other animators that I hang out with. I don't really work with them because their style of work is different to mine, so we wouldn't really work together. But it's just kind of nice to have other people in the industry who you can talk to about things. I think that, that helps a lot. And even in London, I try and go to animation events. That's good. There's talks like once a month in different places you can go to and just kind of see, see the same people. I think it's, it's definitely helpful to know that other people out there are doing the same thing. And have, I think even if you can't go to those events because you don't live in London, then you can go on Twitter. There's a good community on there of, of animators who kind of talk quite often about what's going on. My friend here, Dan, he runs Mixed Parts. It's a good, web, good website for animation design people. So yeah, there's definitely a good community. So even if you are working alone at home, you can feel like you're part of something. Yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true and one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me, James? I was once invited to Buckingham Palace to talk about making gifts. I've broken my leg four times, and I once wrapped all of Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang on stage with Angelos Epithemio. Okay, you've broken your leg. Is it the same leg that you've broken four times? Yeah, in different places though, but yeah. Okay, how have you broken your leg? Um, once was playing football. It was like a, a bad tackle. Um, once was skiing, just kind of fell. One night, fell off my bike when I was pretty young, that down this hill, was just doing stupid things. And one, I guess it was technically my ankle, but I was just walking and like, um, I kind of ankle like twisted and if I walked, stepped on the side of my ankle my leg just broke that was because it was just uh, weakened over time I don't know wow okay Buckingham Palace you were invited to so who were you explaining gifts to at Buckingham Palace I guess it was like the team of people who work for like the royal family where yeah there's like, some project they had I don't know if I can talk about what it was but yeah they wanted to potentially use gifts for this project didn't didn't do it in the end, but yeah, they just invited me in there just to walk around. It was the first time I've been there, never been, never been before, so it was kind of yeah. Wow, interesting to visit. Did you get all doled up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we you had to. They're very strict, like security regulations, and you've got and and dress code and stuff. Yeah. Okay, I thought that might be an event, but yeah, that sounds plausible. And then you were on stage. With the Wu Tang Clan, uh, with um, with Angelos Epithemio, the guy from Shooting Stars, he's also got a podcast. Oh now. my god, Angelos! I remember Shooting Stars. Okay, oh man, this sounds plausible, right? Well, let's face it; they all sound plausible. You were at the top of your game. Why wouldn't Buckingham Palace? I mean, I imagine the Queen was a big fan of the Beastie Boys and probably found you that way. Breaking your leg four times. Um, you rattled them off very quickly, the reasons. So Angelos, you see, the thing is coming up with Angelos, no disrespect to Angelos, but you've picked a fairly obscure one comedian-wise, and why would you do that? Okay, I don't think you've broken your leg four times. Yeah, that's true. I haven't, I haven't broken any bone ever. <laughs> yeah, yes! <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You were quick on the lie, though. Wow, that means you did go to Buckingham Palace. That's cool. Yeah. One thing I did mean to ask you, actually, because I was about to say, you know, make sure you go to Big Freelance, check out James's work. But actually, you go as Slim Jim Studios. That's your name online. Was that something you did very early on or something you transitioned to? It was quite early. Yeah, but yeah, so a couple of times in my career, I've worked with somebody else and we've kind of 
almost started a company. And that was the second time the guy that I used to work with, uh, also called James. And we started a website together called Slim Jim Studios. We're both called James and Slim and Jim, whatever. But then I moved to London and he stayed in Derby. And so we didn't work together anymore. But I kind of kept the name. That's, that's where I came from. Ah. A, lot, a lot of people know me by that name. Like I, I, I talked to a few conferences and did one last year. And everybody else was listed by their name, but for some reason I was Slim Jim. I think that's definitely part of, you know, like Instagram handles and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helps to have a branded name that people can know you by because a lot of people's names aren't memorable. I don't think mine is. So there's a different guy called James Curran who has the James Curran um, Twitter handle who's also an animator. Oh, right. Actually, now I think about it, you know, beyond an animated version of yourself, I have no idea about what you look like. You know, you are Slim Jim. You look like your work, if that makes sense. There's a, a very definite visual identity. You don't give out much about you. Not really. I mean, yeah, I mean, I do post photos myself occasionally if, I'm, if it's work-related, but in my Instagram is my original kind of personal one. So if you go right to the bottom, there's photos of me down there. But the, the character is based on sort of what I look like, although people always think because it's got a round body, it means that I'm fat. But to me, it's just like, I just like round things and circles. So it's just, yeah. No, it's great. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Um, I probably would have started it earlier, maybe, although I'm happy with how things have gone. So maybe doing it at that time was the right time. And just don't worry so much, I guess. Yeah. If, if you just keep, keep working, keep, if don't, don't stop. I think there's a few points where I maybe considered giving up because things weren't going so well early on. And I think they're the hardest times. If you can get past that and stick with it for maybe two or three years, usually you'll find a way to make it work. I think. Was that like periods where work wasn't coming in? I guess so, yeah. Or maybe it's just it's the work wasn't coming in or you weren't getting the type of work that you wanted. Um, I think it takes time to kind of find whatever direction you're going to end up in. And also, I think it's good to let other people kind of guide you. Like if, if people are pushing in a certain way, because that's what type of work they think you're, you're suitable for, don't kind of fight it too much. I think it's good to kind of use, uh, take advice from people and not be too kind of, I don't know, strict on fighting them, I guess, if you've got an idea that you want to do something different. Yeah. You mentioned doing conference speaking. Was that something you went after or how, how was that? Not really. I mean, I used to go to I used to go to Pace Plasma a lot. I've taught that taught there this year in Berlin and last year in New York. So I feel like I kind of went after that a little bit by going there a lot and meeting with the the organizers and kind of like I'm here, so I might as well speak. <laughs> Otherwise, no, it wasn't really something. I don't, I don't really enjoy it at first. It just kind of happened, and then I was like, I should do it because it's something different and a new, a new challenge. But I actually quite like it now. Yeah, and is that? That same to other animators, is it? It's not always just animation. That can be design or kind of just any kind of creative conference. But it's usually kind of yeah, animation related. But yeah, I've ta- taught in a few different countries like Spain, uh, Guatemala, Germany. I'll, I'll take if someone invites me anywhere. I'll, I'll pretty much say yes. I usually, I usually just kind of ask who else is speaking. If there's someone else there that I find interesting or that I already know sort of, then I'll go. But why not go? And like, do you write? anywhere blog anywhere or for example or is it saved for the stage um yeah i haven't done that yet i mean i thought about doing some like tutorials maybe because people always ask me so i, I posted like a, a mini instagram story tutorial uh, two weeks ago which was really popular so i might do a series of those or something but it's not really with me speaking it's just kind of me showing little tips with like a, in the interface and after effects 
go to beingfreelance.com as ever there'll be links through to all of our guests so that you can take a look at Slim Jim for yourself through to the various social things but also to check out all of those side projects and different bits of client work that we've been talking about you won't be disappointed beingfreelance.com and James thank you so much for joining us from LA and yeah all the best being freelance thank you very much 